Tune in to The Manifesto, hosted by Emily Wheaton, Logan Cook, and Logan Bishop. The Political Science Society's new radio cast. Catch us on local 107.3 FM and wherever you find podcasts. We've started. Hello, and welcome to The Manifesto Podcast. My name's Logan, and today my guest is Donna Reed and the Mayor of St. John. Hi, Donna. Hi, Logan. Pleasure to be here. The first question I want to ask about is, the, the city of St. John is growing at a pace that hasn't been seen in frankly, I think decades. What is the city doing to keep up with this growth? What are we doing to keep up with the growth? Well, uh, we're doing a couple of couple of things, actually. But you're not right. We need to be growth ready. Mm-hmm. And so we are um, applying to the provincial government for what is called bilateral funding. And that would be ensuring that we are um, competing complete infrastructure projects, et cetera, as we go forward. Uh, I always like to say that some of the infrastructure on the peninsula in the uptown dates back to 1860, and that's when Abraham Lincoln was the president of the United States. Uh, Some of it's like small terracotta uh, tiles that are put together to make, uh, you know, drainage systems or whatever. So that stuff needs to be done. Road work needs to be done. Um, Sidewalk enhancement needs to be done. There's a lot of things that we need to do to get ready for growth. If we want to get growth, we need to be prepared for it. Uh, We're looking at greening our uh, transit system you know so we're hoping that we'll get that growth as well and we've actually just revamped that whole system and rooting with it um, to try to hit some more of the actual um, transit nodes where there would be uh, more development in the future going forward um i can get off topic easily on this stuff logan (laughs) oh that's no problem so the, the cruise ships came back to St. John for the first time since the pre-COVID days, which feels like a lifetime. Mm-hmm. How, is this, how is the city feeling about the future of cruise ship tourism and tourism in general? Uh, well, the city, we were excited to have the cruise, the cruise ships back uh-huh. in town. They, um, we just celebrated their three millionth uh, customer or you know, cruise ship person uh this summer Uh that the uh, port recorded that so since they've been uh operating down there with the cruise ships we've had three million visitors in so that's pretty i mean that's pretty impressive really um tourism for us is you know is is big we uh i think for tourism last year it was something like over i think we have like uh 200 and 50, 217 million, I think, is the number that um, tourism contributes to St. John. We welcome about 1.7, on average, million visitors over the year. Whoa. So that's uh, so that's very that's very big for us. So tourism is huge. We want to keep uh, we want to keep it growing. Uh, we uh, usually have about 200, I think, uh, cruise ship guests as well. I think this year we had somewhere around 75. To 80 ships in and they were in quite late this year they uh-huh. were in into october as well which was kind of nice since the weather was great it, the weather was beautiful you know and yes hockey uh, hotel occupancy is uh, occupancy is up uh so things are really uh, 
you know, rolling forward in the tourism department, we found that the visitor experience over at the Reversing Falls, we had a lot more uh, visitors there this year. We did a little bit of work on that. Now that going in the future will be one of our bigger projects. Hopefully next year we'll get some, uh, be able to assign some money for that because we need some uh, a little bit of a makeover there, new steps going down to the water, et cetera. So uh, tourism is big for us and we want to continue to support it. Recently, the museum closed its location in Market Square, and yesterday I saw a news report from Global that the museum is temporarily going to open on Lancaster Avenue on the west side. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the museum should be built, and what do you think about the museum temporarily being on the west side of the city? Well, you know, it, I liked it when it was uptown. Uh-huh. It was, you know, accessible to uh, visitors. We tend to get, you know, a lot of our tourism is within the uptown area. Uh-huh. We've got two schools in the uptown area that would access it. So, you know, I liked it there. I, it, of course, as you well know, Fundy Key is, is torn apart right now. And um, there's some issues at Market Square with uh, the facility. So, you know, it's going to go to the west side for now. And that's fine. I'm just happy to hear actually that it will be open because it's difficult when we have, when we have the cruise ship passengers in a lot of times they would ask where is the museum uh-huh. so you know it was hard when we had to say well it's not open right now so um and where do i think it should go uh definitely in saint john and i will be waving the pom-poms for that always <laughs> but uh i guess you know it's the province's money and wherever they think would be the best you know location for it um i'm just rolling with that you know i think uh, i just want to ensure that it stays in st john uh, because st john had i believe the first museum in the country that has been in continuous operation so we're known as a city of first so mm-hmm. i'd like to hang on to that museum um recently wind turbines were brought in from europe into west st john to Lawrenceville. To, and I see from St. John Energy says that they will supply 15% of St. John's power. Mm-hmm. Is the city excited about renewable energy being here in St. John, energizing St. John? Listen, we think it's fantastic. It will provide us with 15% of our total electricity. It'll be from a local renewable source. Uh, 51% of that project is owned by the Tabique First Nations. Mm-hmm. So that's, you know, important. And St. John has... Uh, has the second highest concentration of workers that specialize in uh, electricity generation and distribution. So okay. that's so that's interesting. Um, so we will generate the uh, renewable uh, energy certificates. They're, they're called RECs, R-E-C. Um, and so with those renewable energy certificates, uh, I believe St. John Energy's corporate electricity requirements will be at net zero. And then we will have, uh, we also have the, have the first we've deployed the first the world's first uh tesla mega pack which is a utility scale battery so that's interesting for us as well another first and um we have with those uh renewable energy certificates we have the port and uh, irving oil they will be supporting local renewable energy because they're going to be buying some of those um buying some of those wrecks so that's good for us as well uh, I I want to talk about the funded key project. It seems like it's been in development for what feels like ever, but construction is finally starting to ramp up. And I hear the starting they're going to they're planning on starting construction of the two, of the new buildings in the new year. Is the city excited for the funded key project to transfer that will transform the waterfront? 
That funded key project will transform the waterfront. So what we've done with that is we've put uh, we this year we came up with four uh, priority or transformational projects that we wanted to support and four advocacy projects mm-hmm. with the province and that fundy key is one of our four transformational projects so you know it was first uh, designated as a catalytic project in 2019 and, uh, because it had it's going to provide a broader revitalization to transform st john's urban waterfront so you know that's it will be a big deal for us uh about 80% of the waterfront uh, is not accessible to the public. So mm-hmm. this will this is this is big. I mean, any city, there's only two coasts in the whole country, and we have a city that's on one of those coasts, so we really need to take advantage of that waterfront. And for people, that's all part of uh, quality of life. You know, you have the um, passage down along the waterfront as well. Uh, it's you know green space it's all those things that people are looking for we as a city like density because it's far easier and more cost efficient to provide services mm-hmm. with density but if you are going to have density you also need those green spaces and you need that outdoor you know experience for families etc to be to, in, within your city so that is will be it, that's going to be transformational for us big time so it's on our list again so that we make sure we keep uh, the fire burning underneath it if I, I think it's going to generate something like two to three million in annual property taxes when it gets built out at full build and this of course is a project that's co-funded with the federal provincial and municipal mm-hmm. uh, you've seen that with the um, rising of the uh, seawall there as well right so, uh, the federal government recently announced that they were giving 41 municipalities across the country $500 million to build housing. Mm-hmm. It surprised me St. John was not included on the list of municipalities. How do you feel about St. John being left out of, of potential millions in federal funding? Right. So, what I've found out about that, actually, is that there's $1.5 billion that will be available, uh-huh. uh, $500 million for um, for the cities, and then they'll also have projects with another billion for that. So, I guess if you're on one list, you know, you're on the bottom of the opposite list. So, uh-huh. I did speak to uh, MP Wayne Long about this. He's looking into more information about it. There are some opportunities for um, to access the next round of projects, which I think that will start taking applications sometime in mid-December. It'll have an IMP day uh, time frame for accepting applications. Um, so I'm hoping that we're going to see some movement on that in the meantime. The city will also, you know, uh, rally the troops together to make sure that we have those projects uh, organized, uh, paperwork, and ready to, you know, to go forward in an application as well. So it's a, it's a, um, it's a not, there's, there's still a huge, I think there's still a big win there for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and like I said, MP Long is going to try to find out like what some of the criteria were of why with the city, um, 500 million that was available for cities across the country, you know, what some of the criteria was that we missed and then, you know, make sure that we have the criteria organized for the projects going forward. I mean, you always you always want to get, you know, those want to be recognized, I guess, for uh, especially housing right now. I mean, every city 
is looking for housing and mm-hmm. support for housing. So it's huge. But um, like I said, I think there's still a big opportunity there for us through projects. Keeping on housing, there's there has been a noticeable uptick in people living on the streets of St. John, which is unfortunate. What is the city doing in conjunction with the provincial and federal government to make sure that there is enough housing, especially affordable housing in St. John, to make sure that people don't have to live on the streets? Well, you know that not long ago, I probably, if it was a month ago, that uh, Minister Shepard announced the $100 million uh-huh. that uh, into into housing. And so I think St. John will get almost 40 of forty units out of 300 and maybe 80 units. So that is a help going forward. Uh, I mean, I think we need to look at incentives for affordable housing mm-hmm. um, you know there's lots of opportunities uh, it, it's also difficult because there are there's a shortage of you know uh, builders right now mm-hmm. so it's hard to get anything built as well so it is a bit of a crunch time and with the logistics crisis as well so it, it's a difficult time but we are working with the province uh, usually that housing would be um, you know, more of a provincial responsibility. So I guess for us in St. John, if they're looking at downloading some of that, and I don't, that's not the, probably the right word, and I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean if they want uh, the uh, new regional uh, regionalization uh, teams to look at housing, mm-hmm. then we probably would be advocating for uh, St. John to have a more you know, to be the lead on that because we we have the higher rate of, uh, you know, of lack of housing. We see that in our cities versus, say, Grand Bay, Westfield, or Rossi, or Quispamsis, et cetera. So we would be interested absolutely in, you know, pursuing that file and taking a look at that file. I think we could, you know, maybe pull together the entities that we have now that look at housing for people that you know need housing and there's lots of different types of housing you know there's subsidized housing there's transitional housing there's affordable housing they're all a little bit different um so we would be looking at bringing those groups together maybe and trying to get um i don't know maybe a a person at the city who would be a liaison for all of the groups to try to bring the groups together, make sure the groups are being communicated to and working with the groups. So I think that's where we would like to go. You you know, we've have our, uh, we've been working on our uh, affordable housing, um, you know, projects as well. So we need to get ourselves a coordinator going forward. I want to talk about Brunswick Square. It's Brunswick Square, in my eyes, is a ghost town and a black guy on Uptown. It's just a big, empty building. What do you think needs to be done to Brunswick Square to revitalize it? That's a tricky one, Logan, because it is private property. It's owned by a company called Slate. And uh, the city has, you know, had uh, some conversations with them. Um, we would like to support them as much as we can uh, for them to, you know, fill that mall. It certainly is a ghost town in there. You know, I don't, I don't think I've seen, I don't know, a new store move in there in a long time. You know, there's always someone leaving. Mm-hmm. So uh, those conversations are ongoing. But as I said, it is private property. It makes it a little bit 
trickier. Um, and the city isn't really in a position to offer, uh, you know, a lot of financial incentives, as you well know. I mean, we're just keeping our, trying to keep our own house in order here. Mm-hmm. So we would we would like to work with them and try to move that move that mall forward any way we can. You know, whatever support. I know Envision St. John has also been working with them as well. Um, I mean, I've got my own ideas, Logan. I'd love to see maybe a grocery store in there. We need a movie theater uptown. I mean, there's mm-hmm. lots of things that could go in there. But uh, that has to be worked out, I guess, between the owner and uh, trying to get you know some new tenants in there. I, I don't know what the issue is over there. I don't think anyone does. Uh, no. I, I saw an article on the CBC a few weeks ago that talked about how a house that sold for 250000 in Moncton was valued at two hundred forty, but a house that sold for 250000 in St. John was valued at only 211000 St. John has been getting, I, I don't want to say the word screwed over, but screwed over by service buttons when it comes to property taxes for, I think, a very long time. What do you think needs to be done to fix the tax system and make sure the St. John properties are valued at what they are worth? Well, one of the things that St. John has asked for is comprehensive uh, tax reform. Uh-huh. And while we have gotten, you know, components of that, one of the components would be to have, you know, uh, realistic uh, assessments of properties. And so that would include looking at those kinds of differentials and why do they exist Mm -hmm. so um you know that's a conversation that uh the city of st john needs to have with service new brunswick and uh going forward that we will absolutely have that i have you know i'm going to meet with the minister and we'll talk about uh, talk about that and how they come up with you know these this the idea of why st john would be valued less than fredericton or less than moncton so, um, you know, and then the balance on that is like this year we're talking, we've got a budget, you know, so we're looking at lowering our tax. We lowered it by 7.5 cents mm-hmm. last year. So we went from 170 to 171. But, you know, this year we're going to we're gonna look at lowering the tax rate again. So even though the assessed values will go up, um, hopefully go up more so that we are competitive, um, you know, to... Moncton and Fredericton, because if you buy a house in Moncton or Fredericton, um, at the end of the day, your investment is, I guess, worth worth more mm-hmm. because it becomes assessed at a higher rate. So you want to make sure that you, you know, your investment in St. John is also uh, a good investment and investment that's growing for you. So if you raise your tax rate uh, or lower, sorry, lower your tax rate, uh, and you make, you know, and you can get your assessments worked out, you your homeowners taxpayers will still pay approximately the same you know so you know that's a little bit better a little bit better mechanism and right now the way taxes property taxes work is we keep a city municipality town whatever keeps 100 percent of all property taxes that are raised from from residential but for non-residential, we're only keeping just over 50% of those property taxes. So we also know that as we get, we grow more on the industrial side, it tends to drive our our residential population out of the city to the suburban communities. And so that's, you know, that's a difficult situation for us because you're keeping 100% 
And it's the only way a municipality has to make money is through property tax. You have one way. So the next so thing, interesting times. The next thing I want to talk about is the Port of St. John is growing at an exceptional rate. It's Mm-hmm. They've hit. They hit. The, they get what the three millionth cruise ship passenger this past year. They've hit a hundred thousand containers going through the port, and that was in September. How does the city feel about this this growth that the port is currently having? Well, we're happy about that growth that the port is having. Uh, you know, there's a the port has a big has had a big public and private sector investments also made at the port mm-hmm. uh, you've got an expanded transportation systems I mean it really positions um, the port of St. John really to be the next great port in Canada in my opinion it's one of the biggest growth opportunities of our time mm-hmm. um, you know so that will mean for us that growth will mean that we'll have a vibrant prosperous region it'll have an impact on you know the city today and for generations to come so it's it's very important to st john and i believe that um it's been one of the fastest growing container ports on the east coast and i think it's had like a 52 percent increase over the last five years so that's impressive it very you much that is. The west side modernization project going on right now you see those big caissons over there being built and being filled over there and they will support two brand new cranes that will be coming to St. John's through uh, DP World. Uh, those cranes are interesting. They will be, um, they will sort of be, I think, like something like the robotic surgery. I think you'll put the helmet on and you won't have to be in the crane. Oh, the that's helmet cool. Will be aware, yeah, will be aware. You'd have to get more information from the port on that, but this is my take on it, is that the helmet will be aware of what's happening on the ground with the crane and you'll be able to, you know, uh, control that. Uh, from an office or wherever so though it's interesting times and it's also interesting because i think people think of the port as having more of the uh, more of i guess i'll say the blue collar uh jobs uh-huh. but those jobs right now are not what they were you know 25 30 years ago technology has kicked those jobs up uh, quite a bit because you have, as you would know, your generation would know, you have laser cut this, computer aided that. You know, you're going to have a, be wearing a helmet that's aware, or a, yeah, uh, a work helmet that will be aware of uh, its surroundings of a, mm-hmm. of a crane. I mean, it's just, it's incredible, really. And the, uh, and those jobs, I think the port's going to need like a few hundred, and I think on average they're going to pay around 137 years so They're wonderful jobs for us. Now, as this all kicks up, we're going to have more traffic uh-huh. in the uh, uptown area. We'll have more truck traffic. We'll have more train traffic, you know, on the west side. So, I mean, there's all those things happening as well. So when you're looking at growth for your city, you need to consider all of those things and how growth is going to impact everything. So those are some of the things that we need to look at now as we also get ready for that growth at the port. But we want to work with the port. We have a great working relationship with the port. You know, we want to support them in their growth as well. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's a very, very exciting opportunity for St. John. I, I want to talk about healthcare. I think we can all agree healthcare is in a crisis in the province. The last numbers I saw that had over 75,000 people in the province don't have a primary family doctor. What is this, first off, what is the city doing to attract healthcare workers and doctors to the city, and what does the province need to do to fix the healthcare system, let's say? 
Well, the healthcare system is a provincial entity, so they would be doing, you know, their thing of attracting um, and maintaining physicians in the province. Uh, that would no, now. I mean, some of the things that the cities are asking for is an acceleration of, uh, I guess, a transfer of credentials or however you whatever that actual process would be. So if I'm a physician and wherever and I want to move to Canada, we would like to see that transition, you know, uh, time shortened up so that, mm-hmm. uh, that, you know, that that is a priority of the province to get that mm-hmm. done so that we can access those physicians here. So that's one of the things that the cities have asked for. We would like to see that. We would like to see, as far as healthcare goes, We'd like to see some strategies from the province if, of what they're going to, how they're going to deal with mental health specifically, because that mm-hmm. is a big problem for cities, you know, and uh, and just dealing with mental health issues in cities. And you've seen that with homelessness and tent cities and all those other things. So how do we, you know, uh, build those wraparound services to support those individuals? So we would like the province to look at. To look at that to make that a priority for cities and we're willing to work with them on that i mean health care is a big uh, huge file it isn't something that uh, the cities you know could take on um, not like we could take on housing or whatever but uh, we certainly want to work with the province to figure out some of the best routes to to help solve some of the issues that you know cities are facing and populations are facing um, you know, it's you know, it's going back to like just putting people first again is what you really want to be doing. Making sure that you're putting people first as you look at uh, your path forward, your budgets. Make sure people are are, are first. I I want to talk about poverty in St. John. It's been an issue for uh, very very long. I I think St. John has some of the highest childhood poverty rates in the country. What is the city doing in conjunction with the governments, both provincial and federal, to help to help the to help people who are facing poverty and to get them out of poverty? Well, it's, you know, one of the things that we're <clears throat> asking for right now. Listen, Malcolm X was the guy that said, "Education is your passport to the uh-huh. future," and I believe that. And I think that in um, areas that have high density of childhood poverty that's where you need to make sure that you have those resources Mm -hmm. available to support the kids and to support their families so that they can go forward in the public education system and whatever it is they need so i think Mm -hmm. you know it's uh and that's what we're looking for right now from the province uh for on the peninsula we want to put a new school in Mm -hmm. uh that new school we would like you know, to see those wraparound services also available there because you need to support the, the child from many aspects, not just from the educational aspect, but just making sure the child is fed, the child is looked after, you know, the child has health care if it's required, you know, may need glasses. I don't know, whatever it is, you know, so that's where right now some of our energy is going, is looking at that. We'll be working with the province with that. We just have the new... Um, Pediatrics on Princess Street, which is uh, Dr. Sarah Gander, I'm going to their first their inaugural fundraiser tomorrow night, you know, and it 
that's whole system there is to assess mm-hmm. children and then understand their needs and to make sure that their needs can be accessed. Sometimes if you don't know where to go for help or whatever, you, you're never going to get it. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have this and the na- that in the neighborhood because they can certainly be leads on uh, on that for pe- for kids and their families. So that's what's uh, that's what's happening on that front. We do have a lot of uh, childhood poverty here, but as I said, I think you know education is a big factor with it, and that support system needs to be there to make sure that uh, that the kids at the end of the day can be successful. Uh, the Saint John Transit is introducing a number of electric buses to this flea, which I think is frankly awesome. But is mm-hmm. what is the city doing to? To like to uh, make St. John Transit net neutral and to entice people to take public transport more instead of driving the cars and say uptown. Well, what they did is they just had a big um, operational audit done, uh-huh. and uh, there was a, quite a few recommendations out of that, and so they've been uh, implementing those recommendations. We've been moving to greening the fleet, and that's uh, that'll be huge for us. And, you know, we St. John Transit, uh, I was on transit for several years, probably nine, eight or nine years as a counselor. Mm-hmm. And they always got their operating budget. And it, uh, it has always been approximately a $10 million um, operation. And the city uh, funds it to about 60% of it. And um, it, it's expected that the other 40% would be made at the fare box. So... But recently, they're making some investments into capital, and so that's that's a huge step for us. So you'll see your new buses coming in with, the, you know, the electric buses coming in. There'll be infrastructure so that we actually have an idea of the numbers on the bus. People that are using the system. Uh, we'll know where people are getting on the bus. We'll know where people are getting off the bus, and those things are all important if you want to streamline and design a system that works for your city you need to know because I, I would say we've probably got about seven or eight hundred bus stops in the city so those sorts of things all need to be looked at as well and uh, just increase the efficiencies at the end of the day it's tricky in st john because we are over 300 square kilometers so uh-huh. um you know people will say to me i pay the same taxes as so-and-so but the bus doesn't go by my house so that's always a dilemma am i sending the bus by every house here or am i designing a system that's efficient because if i get on the bus and i can see where i'm going to be going to work you know wherever down the hill at the mall or whatever and it's going to take me 45 minutes to get there i'm probably not going to take the bus yeah so i need to have a system you need to have a system that's relatively competitive with your car and there's lots of things that are available on buses today. Buses work the lights in a lot of places, whereas you're coming towards a, a light, it turns, it turns the lights green, you know, so that the bus always gets the green lights. There's lanes, you know, they have their own dedicated lanes in some cities. So there's lots of things that we can be doing. Um, so we are moving in some of those directions as well. You've got, you, we just had the ride-sharing bylaw. It was passed not that long ago, so that will add some uh, interesting um, combinations in there with uh, transit as well. So you may, at the end of the day, mm. 
if you lived, say, in Red Hill, and there's only five or six people coming in and going out every day, you may be able to send, like, uh, uh, a smaller vehicle or a cab or whatever mm-hmm. to bring them into the main line. So those are all the things that are being looked at right now as they, uh, as they go forward with the uh, transit system. And uh, because with green, I mean, not everyone takes, the, takes public transit because they can't afford a vehicle. People take public transit because they don't want to buy a vehicle. Yeah. They want to support public transit. Uh, they're concerned about the planet and green. So there's lots of reasons why people take public transit. Uh, you know, so we we need to make sure that the system um, can accommodate people and meet their needs. So that's what's all what is being looked at right now. Um, my my final question to you is: What advice do you have to people who want to run for elected office? What I didn't hear that last question. What advice to people who want to what to run for public office? To run for public office? Yes. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you this, Logan. I, my youngest of my four kids is thirty, and I could not have done this job. So, my daughter would have been twenty. Uh-huh. I was first elected in twelve. Um, I could not have done this job with kids smaller than that because I find it's, you know, people will say it's all part-time job being a counselor and and being mayor. But I found even as a counselor. If you get an 800-page kit, I mean, that takes you all weekend to read it, and then you're at council from 4 till 10. Uh-huh. And, you know, and then there's meetings in between and uh, social events, fundraisers, etc. So I would, my advice to anyone would be to make sure that you, you understand the commitment uh-huh. and make sure that you have the support from your family to do it. Um, because it'll take some, you know, if you have smaller kids, it's going to take some juggling with another part, with a partner, maybe to get kids to hear there or wherever. Um, for me, I guess I've got a bit of a passion for St. John. And that's really, I think, what drives me to do that, to do the job. Uh, and with the last two councils that I was on, I really saw significant change. I mean, we had never had a long-term financial plan before that. We now have 10 financial policies, you know, so... We had, you know, we were at a point where we needed to restructure and make, you know, have a sustainable budget. We've done that. There were a lot of very, very difficult decisions that had to be made, unpopular decisions that had to be made. So, I mean, that's all part of this job. You know, you it's hard to keep everyone happy, but you're here. And I, I guess my, my, my reason for being here is that really we want to impact the daily lives of the citizens of St. John and just make life that little bit better for everyone. So, you know, when you get on, you get elected an award, you start to look at the whole city and how can, you know, you move things for the whole city, how can you make life better, how can you grow, how can you do those sorts of things. So, um, it's a big commitment, I will say. Well, so, uh, I guess if I, my advice would be just make sure that you know, you have the time. Uh-huh. Uh, I'm sure anybody who does it has the passion because it does need to. You know, you need the passion, but just make sure that you have the time because it's because it is a big commitment. But it's also extremely rewarding. I have found it to be extremely rewarding. You know, when I see that progress, so I, I would encourage people to, you know, to really consider it. Well, Mayor Reedon, uh, thank you for taking time out of your day to do this interview with me. 
My pleasure. I will. I will let you know when I post it. When I post it in a couple weeks. I always hate to hear myself yakking there. <laughs> you do that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right. Bye bye. Bye. This has been episode eight of the Manifesto podcast. My name's Logan, and today my guest was Mayor Donna Reardon of St. John.